you this morning. Um, when Brother Grant was talking about the uh, the shot, and uh, he said that the needle was that long, my wife looked over and said, you could tell he's a fisherman. <laughs> I think all of us are fishermen because the fish is always that big and the needle is always that long. And so, um, in an attempt to get sympathy... <laughs> But it feels good to be uh, in the house of the Lord and honoring all of our, our veterans today. Um, and I uh, was driving through Baytown, and I guess I, the calendar slipped my mind. I said, what's up? Why are all these flags are out? And so, oh, Veterans Day is tomorrow. So um, I love and appreciate all of our, our veterans and those who fought and serve our country. I work with a gentleman um, <clears throat> who is 33 years old and a uh, very solemn, solemn guy. Doesn't smile much, very short with his words. And I uh, found out the other day uh, he is uh, he he was um, uh, he is a veteran, uh, ex U.S. U.S. Army. Did two tours in um, in in Iraq from 2007 to about 2012. Um, engaged the enemy many times. Every house they went in had an AK-47, several several AK-47s. And he said that so it was a fear every time you kick down the door it might be your last time to kick down a door. Um, so I didn't I didn't go into details. With him, and I understand that. Um, <clears throat> when I was reading uh, my Bible earlier this week, this passage of scripture I came across uh, in uh, Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. Was reading through this, and I felt that the Lord would want me to to talk to you, preach to you about this this morning. And uh, the words of Brother Myers confirmed it, and uh, and Brother Grant as well. Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. Beginning with verse 7. Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning with verse 7, says, Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees, and on one side and on the other. Before I go any further, let me just recap that this is Ezekiel's vision of the temple of God, um, uh, the new Jerusalem, what it, what it would be. Um, since they are, at this point in time, Ezekiel is in captivity in Babylon. Him and many other prophets of his time are having visions of what the Lord would do, and this is the new city that God will build as he restores the nation of Israel. Now, at verse 8, Then said he unto me, These waters issued out toward the east country, and go down into the desert, into the sea, being which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. It came to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. Second time we see healed being used within two verses of Scripture. And everything shall live whither the river cometh. It shall come to pass that fisher, fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even into in Eglim. They shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. The sea that is talking about in various translations says that this is the Dead Sea that's in the Middle East. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given a salt. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade, 
neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed, and it shall bring forth new fruit according to his months. Because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. It felt good this morning that the, to, to end the worship service to see all of you moving, and uh, all of you worshiping. That's how you begin to stir up the river uh, um, 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 of God that Ezekiel is talking about, and um, and I hope that some of you still have some of that left in you. Um, Brother Myers, I appreciate what he said. I feel there's an anticipation for God to do something, and uh, someone needs something from God this morning, particularly some kind of healing in their body, their mind, their heart, their spirit, and these waters can do that. So um, let's go for the Lord, and uh, you may be seated. Lord, help me. Thank you for your presence and your mercy. Help me, Lord, to preach your word. Let your word fall on fertile ground. Anoint me, anoint your word, let it do the will that you want it to. Help me this morning, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I just want to talk to you about this thought. There is a river. Looking up on a Wikipedia, river is a natural flowing water course. It's usually fresh water flowing towards an ocean, sea, lake, or another river. And in some cases, a river flows into the ground and becomes dry at the end of its course without reaching another body of water. But a lot of times, small rivers will reach a larger and deposit into a larger body of water. There are various names for rivers, including stream, creek, brook, rivulet, and rill. Rivers are what uh, some scientists, uh, are what the scientists call it the hydrological cycle, where water generally collects in a river from precipitation through a drainage basin from a surface that runs off or other sources of groundwater in which it comes from runoff that feed into a larger spring or a larger movement of water, and it releases the water uh, into a larger basin. Potomology uh, is the scientific study of rivers, while limnology is the study of inland waters in general. That's interesting. I didn't know those. Um, uh, they have specific career tracks uh, or degrees for that. So, you know, from the dawn of civilization, we find that people and communities always flocked or tend to build around rivers. And since water is the main source for human survival, it only makes sense that by rivers, people tend to build towns and cities and ports, and they're able to use the water to drink and to cook and to clean and perform other duties of daily living. Many of the most major U.S. cities in the United States are found near a river. And I want to share with you a story I heard told to me before about a very popular city that I believe everyone should know about. Brother Grant does. And, this, and I asked him before service, but by, by a show of hands, how many have heard of the city by the name of Rodney, Mississippi? Rodney, Mississippi. Few. Few people. Usually no one does. Um, and I was surprised that, uh, you know, I well, not really because Brother Grant's from Mississippi, so he knows, but can't believe no one else here has ever heard or even driven through Rodney, Mississippi. It's a very populous town with a magnificent history. And it's hard to believe that no one knows about it except for the few that raised their hand. It was founded in 1763 on the Mississippi River by the French. It was a little settlement on the river that the French named Petit Gouffre. It means little gulf. 
The reason they named it this was because it was seen as a small sister community to the much larger city of New Orleans, Louisiana, further south of the same Mississippi River. It is a river, as you all know, that Mississippi bisects from the north, northern uh, 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 um, uh, United States all the way down into the Gulf of Mexico, spanning at least eight to nine states. And so... As a result of the French and Indian War, the area was taken by Great Britain. Spain later would control this area after taking West Florida from the British in 1781. Spain would hold the site until selling it, my surprise, to a single gentleman by the name of Thomas Calvert in 1798. Thomas Calvert had a very close friend in that area who was a judge and a congressman by the name also of Thomas, but his last name was Rodney. So then Calvert named the community after his friend, and so was birth Rodney, Mississippi. Rodney is a former city in Jefferson County, northwest of Mississippi, approximately 32 miles northeast of Natchez. It was one of the most prominent cities of the United States. In fact, at least two U.S. presidents, Andrew Jackson and Zachary Taylor, have came through and spent time in Rodney, Mississippi, Rodney was the home of one of the most prominent and wealthiest scientists of that time by the name of Dr. Rush Nutt. And you don't like your name. Dr. Nutt, a native of Virginia, came to Rodney in 1815. It will be Dr. Nutt who had led the South to become the cotton kingdom of the world. His contributions were twofold. The problem with cotton in that time and that it couldn't make its way to the southern hemisphere of the United States was because the humidity. It would cause the cotton to mold over as it sat in its bowl after it sprouted. And so then he was able to, to use genetics and cross seeds and, and produce a new strain of cotton that was more resilient. And that was in Rodney was the beginning of the cotton cotton boom that overtook the South. He even improved Ellie Whitney's cotton gin by connecting the gin to steam power. And for this invention, Dr. Nutt became fabulously wealthy. He could have lived anywhere in the world. He could have lived in some of the most beautiful cities in the Northeast or perhaps, some of, or perhaps even in some of the European countries. But he chose to build his extravagant mansion in Rodney, Mississippi. Rodney, Mississippi was a cultural powerhouse of its day. The city boasted with banks and theaters, factories and schools, churches and debating societies. It even had a jockey club, doctor's office, dentist's office, hotels and saloons by the 1800s. Rodney only missed by three votes to becoming the capital of Mississippi right behind Jackson. It would have gotten the three votes it needed, uh, uh, and all of us would be sitting here, and more hands would have been raised knowing exactly where Rodney, Mississippi is. Uh, and it would be taught in our history book as our kids uh, went into school. But no one or very minimal amount of people in this church have ever heard of Rodney, Mississippi. It was one of the most important ports anywhere on the, on the Mississippi River between St. Louis, Missouri and New Orleans, Louisiana in its day, and yet no one has ever heard of it but a few selected this morning. But then again, it doesn't surprise me. Very minimal amounts of people have heard of Rodney, Mississippi, because in 1870, the mighty Mississippi River began to make a course change. 
And it began to shift systematically, inch by inch and yard by yard until 1940. The river flowed a full three miles from Rodney, Mississippi. The shifting of the Mississippi is not anything unusual. Those who study sedimentary geology will tell you that rivers shift in their course all the time. At this very moment, the Mississippi is still shifting. And there is concern because in recent years, the river is slowly shifting away inch by inch from even New Orleans, Louisiana. And they're anticipating that if this happens, it will be an economic disaster for New Orleans. As it was for Rodney, Mississippi. No longer having access to the shipping that went up and down that channel. No longer having a port to, to stop by there. That city slowly dried up and it died. You can see, you can drive there today and walk the abandoned streets of a ghost town and see the crumbling remains of abandoned buildings. You can go to Dr. Nutt's plantation and all you would see and all the inhabitants would be raccoons and possums and rats and roaches that scurry in and out of the debris of a mansion that once was. I asked Brother Grant, do you know Rodney? He says, I do. I drive through it to another port called Port Gibson. So many people drive through Rodney every day, and many people don't even acknowledge that it exists or realize that at one point this city was a powerhouse in the southern U.S. hemisphere. Nobody even gave it any existence. Brother John, I'll have him pull up the one picture that remains of Rodney, Mississippi today is an old abandoned church building. There is nothing there. There is no permanent life. There is no residence. There is no business. There is no activity. There is no laughter of families and children and of a thriving community. There is no commerce and trade. There is no bustling economy. Just crumbling remains of what used to be grand buildings, hollow shells that once held vibrant life. It's just the silent testimony that no matter what you have going for you, uh, if there is no river, you will die. If there is no river, there is no life. If there is no river, things will cease to be what they are. How much justice and accuracy does this picture depict the life of someone and the life of a church congregation when the river ceases to be who we are? When the river ceases to flow in and through us, uh, when the river no longer is where it used to be uh, in our lives, uh, it won't be long uh, before we become just empty uh, and dead uh, and like this black and white picture uh, of what used to be uh, but no longer is. What river are you talking about? Brother Tuan, John 7 and 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus uh, was not yet glorified. And so we find in Scripture 
that rivers of living water is symbolic for the Spirit of God. It is symbolic for the Holy Ghost. It is symbolic for the Holy Spirit. And I want to make a declaration that it is the will of God for you to come to Jesus and drink. And once you have drank that water, it's not supposed to sit there and be idle. But it needs to keep flowing through you and out of you as rivers of living water. For this defines what a river is. That's the science of how rivers form and move. It's the same way the Spirit does in our lives. One body, the Bible says, and the Apostle Paul writes, and one Spirit, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Rivers form uh, from a source that's higher than it uh, and rivers of his spirit form in us uh, from a source uh, that's higher than we are. Rivers continue to flow and to give life uh, to anything it touches. So should the spirit of God in our lives continuing to flow day by day and giving life to everything and everyone that we come in contact with. It is not God's will that we are supposed to drink from the well of everlasting life and leave not sharing it with anybody. We are supposed to keep, we're not supposed to keep it in uh, like a reservoir. Uh, when a river stops flowing uh, and it collects in an area, it becomes no longer a river, but it is by definition a swamp. Why is this important? Because in the text that I read to you, uh, Ezekiel 47 and 11, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. In Ezekiel's vision, everything that river touched, it healed until it ran into a swamp. An area defined as an area permanently saturated or filled with water. But out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive saint of God mom and dad students of our youth we have got to keep the river flowing the spirit of God is not just supposed to flow on a good Sunday morning it's not supposed to flow when the choir is singing and when the music is bumping it's not supposed to just flow when you're at a good conference but the same river that flows through you this morning has got to be able to flow through you when you wake up tomorrow and it's got to be there in the midnight hour in the middle of the week when you get that phone call or you hit that crisis uh, it's got to flow uh, when your friend uh, or your family is troubled uh, and they look at you asking do you still have access uh, to the river it's got to flow uh, when things are great uh, but keep flowing uh, when things aren't so great church we've got to make sure we stay in touch with the spirit of God which is that river and not forget that it is by the flow 
of the spirit is where we get our strength from. I'm currently working with Brother Howe, and we are making leaps and bounds with technological innovation, or at least I think we are. To him, a P- I couldn't convert a, a, a PDF file for our Bible study. He did it in, 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 in no time. So, And we have security in the bank, and we plan to build bigger and better. And we have plans for a family life center, and we have plans for production and program. And all of this is wonderful. And I can't wait. But I don't want to forget for one second that none of these things can set a sinner free. None of this can provide that complete healing that is sought after when they break through those doors. I know that it didn't for me, but you know what did it for me and what changed my life and what healed me was when I stepped foot in this church over a decade ago and there wasn't no lights and there wasn't no production, but there was a river that was flowing up and down these aisles. And when I came in contact, it changed my life and there were people who were ankle deep there were people who were knee deep there were people who were water up to the loins but there were others who said I've got to swim in this thing if I'm going to get out and leave change forever I've been ever resolved it in myself that if it was the river that changed and healed me, it's going to be the river that's going to change and heal anyone that comes in these doors. It's the river, Brother Grant, that got us here, and it's the river that's going to carry us home. The sound of laughter and joy was heard in Rodney because of the river. Its success in pomp was because of the river. Its abundance commerce was because of the river. Its economic boom was because of the river. Don't get it twisted thinking that everything in Rodney was made the river what it was. But it was the river that made Rodney what it was. The sound of joyous children and family in our church is because of the river. The sound of revival is because of the river. The sound of the bridegroom and the bride is because of the river. Our growth and our outreach is only possible because of the river. Our bright future going ahead is only possible if we stay connected with the river. We do not make the river what it is, but the river makes us what and who we are. You can't do this on your own, Mom. You need the river. You can't do this on your own, Dad. You need the river. You can't do this on our own church. We need the Holy Ghost. This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by my might, nor by my power, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. Romans 8 and 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And I want to be a child of God after his spirit. I want to be a husband after his spirit. I want to be a father after his spirit. 
I want to be a son after his spirit. I want to be a fellow brother after his spirit. I want to be after the Spirit because it is the Spirit that gives life to my church. It is the Spirit that gives life to my family. It is the Spirit that gives life to my marriage. It is the Spirit that gives me everything that I've got. It is the conduit uh, through which all of your blessings flow. Uh, it is the Spirit uh, on the sun, a Sunday morning uh, that gives me the healing I so desperately need. Uh, I've got to get near the river. I've got to get near the river. I've got to be after the river. I've got to be after what God is doing. I've got to be after the Holy Ghost uh, or my flesh uh, will make me uh, a ghost town. The Spirit will be unto me rivers of living water, a well springing unto everlasting life. John, in chapter 4, verse 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing into everlasting life. Isaiah 55, 6 through 8. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Seek after the river. While it still may be found, return to the river and he will have mercy. I am reminded of one of my most favorite patriarchs by the name of Moses, who was called to be the deliverer of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. He was forced to lead the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years due to 10 men's unbelief. They ate quail, they ate manna. God gave them just enough to survive as they were trekking towards the promised land, a land that's supposed to be filled with milk, honey, wells they didn't dig, vineyards they did not plant, houses they did not build. It was a promise to die for. Yet I find Moses making a statement that is so profound and blows my mind. And it's something I wish we understand this morning. Exodus 33, verse 12 through 15. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Let thou, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, and I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said unto me, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto me, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, Moses was saying, I don't care how green the grass is on the other side. I don't care how big the houses are. 
I don't care how lush the vineyard is. I don't care how sweet the honey is to my mouth. I don't care how big the grapes are. But if your presence is not there, then carry us not over. Because I would rather be in the wilderness with his presence than in the promised land without it. Because without your spirit, any promise will become non-existent. But with your spirit, life can still exist even in a wilderness. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. Moses uh, is doubting. Uh, Moses is questioning. Uh, he's expecting someone in the physical to be with him. Uh, and the Lord, and then it says here, And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Uh, and God said, It's all right. Uh, all you need is my presence. Uh, my presence will go with you. Uh, my prayer presence will help you. Uh, and when Moses was uncertain about his ability to lead God's people, People, it was the presence of God that will help him. It is the river that will go with you. There is nothing you cannot do if you've got the river on your side. There's no place you can tread. There's no task that's too big. There's no wall that's too tall. There's no goal you can't reach. If you've got the river of God, there's nothing you can't do. Exodus 17, verse 6 through 7, or 5 through 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take thee of the elder of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou wilt smote the river, take in thy hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou wilt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the, the chiding or the strife of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Massa means temptation. Meribah means strife. And when you are tempted with unbelief in your heart, and strife is in your mind whether the Lord is with you or not uh, and how you can tell if there is a, uh, the flow of the river uh, because God uh, used the flow of water out of a rock uh, to prove uh, that he is with you. And if you feel him this morning, uh, let that be a surety to you uh, that he is with you uh, and he is amongst us uh, and he is ready to heal and his waters are ready to quench thirst uh, and the water of his spirit uh, is ready to give someone newness of life. The story of Rodney is more than just a story of a dead town. It's more than a unique historical fact, but it's a direct representation of what will happen in our lives if we ever stray from the river, if we ever stray from a spirit-led life. I want you to understand that the Mississippi River changes course by only three miles. It was not like it changed its course halfway across Mississippi. There are people in third world countries who walk further than three miles for a, gallon, for a gallon of water. I was at a 5K a couple weeks ago that our company was sponsoring. 
and the 5K is just a little bit over three miles. And the first place winner ran that three miles in 15 minutes. He beat the leading cyclist that was supposed to be guiding the group. That's five minutes per mile. That is not that much of a detour. But it was enough to change the course of the mighty Mississippi River and kill a vibrant town. It is not an abrupt change, but it was the slow erosion and corrosion of sediments at the bottom of the river that moved the river little by little, inch by inch, yard by yard, and mile by mile. And it is not the big things in our lives that cause people to stop living for God, that stops the flow of things that deters the Spirit of God in their life. It's not anything that happens overnight, but it is the little changes. It is the subtle changes, the changes at the, at the bottom of the river's bed that no one can see, the little amounts of erosion and corrosion that they allow into their lives. And prayer isn't as long as it used to be. And prayer is no longer a priority. And daily devotion is not so important if I go without it today. Soon it's okay to set something before our eyes that we have never would have allowed before. Soon it's okay to allow this or allow that to be dumped into the river of our lives that we would have never allowed People who study sedimentary geology uh, say that that is consistent, that, that it is the consistent interference of debris and environmental factors uh, that will cause a river to change its course. It is the daily debris that we allow in our lives. It is that subtle change in the flow of the river that you can't see until it's too late. It's the environmental interference that will alter where the spirit of the river chooses to go. And here's the clincher. It didn't take much of a deviation for Rodney to die. And I beseech us, church, that it doesn't take much uh, of a deviation in our spiritual lives before the flow and the course of the river begins to change a little debris here and a little debris there and a little environmental influence here and there. And when that happens, we will die because the river will alter its course. Our families won't make it. Our marriage will end. Our church will not survive if we ever lose track of the river. Because debris over time become a blockade to the flow. And the Army Corps of Engineers will tell you that the flow of the river will only go in the path of least resistance. The more debris, the more resistance. And the more resistance, the more callous. And the more callous, the more stiff-necked. And the more, the more resistance, then God will not flow through somebody who is resistant to him, but he will flow only to those who are not resistant and will welcome the flow of the river. Romans 8, 9 through 14, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye live through the Spirit, through that river, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And let me tell you that our society has become so twisted and the fundamental definition of a family doesn't exist in our society anymore. And you have people shacking up and you got people marrying of the same sex and you have children growing up in single parent homes uh, or in foster homes uh, and sometimes uh, they don't know their father and they don't know their mother. And they are exposed to things uh, from childhood that no one should ever see in a lifetime. And they grow up uh, and they hurt uh, and they live a life of crime and lasciviousness uh, and brokenness. And they come into the house of God broke and they're busted and they're disgusted. And life has ran them over and life has left them wounded and life has left them mangled and life has left them addicted. And a 27-year-old like me who hasn't even lived a quarter of his life. Uh, I don't have the experience or the expertise to deliver you. I don't have a 12-step program uh, or a fancy curriculum uh, to give you your answer, but I know uh, a river that flows in and out of these aisles. It flows uh, when the body uh, begin to congregate together. It flows uh, when the musicians uh, begin to make noise unto the Lord. It flows uh, when we lift him up. Then he'll draw all men uh, unto us uh, because where we are there he will be also. And when you worship and when you praise, the flow of the river begins to change things. The flow of the river will begin to move. It's flowing right now. And some of you don't know because you're standing at the bank wondering if you should dip your foot in and give this thing a try or not. The waters will start to get troubled when God's people begin to worship. The waters will start to get troubled whenever we where two or three are gathered. There he is. Where two or three agree, there he is. Where we are, there he will be also. And if you can get into the flow, and if you can wade in these waters, I've got words that are greater than I am with more power and authority than I've got. Ezekiel 47 and 8, I am closing with these last few thoughts. Then said he unto me, these waters issue toward the east 
Why the east? Because that's when the sun and the star rises in the morning. And so the river leads and is tied into hope and the promises of God and the promises of a tomorrow. And go down into the desert. I don't know who you are. If you are in a dry place, there is a river that wants to rejuvenate you. There is a river that wants to revitalize you. There is a river that wants to give life again. And go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed. How many need a healing from God this morning? How many need a healing in your body? In your spirit, a healing in your marriage, a healing in your situation, a healing in an unspoken request. Verse 9, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth whithersoever moveth where the river shall come. Remember, the river will only flow in the path of least resistance. I don't know who you are, but I'm asking that you put your guard down. And let God flow in and flow through you. Because whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. I said, because whithersoever the river shall come, they shall live. And there shall be a great multitude of fishes because these waters shall come hither for they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. Church, I need the river. You need the river. We need the river. Verse 10, and it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi to Engalim and they shall be according to their kind as, as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. Because whatever is dead, if the river can just come into contact with it, shall live again. And not only live, but be exceeding and full of abundant life. Because he that cometh to me shall not only have life, but have it more abundantly. And I will do exceeding above and beyond all they can ask or even think. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. If you've got the river, you will not fade. If you've got the river, your fruit will produce after you, and it will not be consumed, and it shall bring forth new fruit according to its months, because their waters shall issue out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. This is a river that's flowing so powerfully that modern-day medicine, when it can't do it for you, the river can the river can. Let's all stand this morning. In the same chapter, in the verse prior, in the verses prior, Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 5. We know this story 
It's the immense river that Ezekiel sees as water begins to flow from underneath the, 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 the sanctuary door. And there's an angel there of some sort that's talking to Ezekiel. And he's telling Ezekiel to wade out into the waters. Verse 2, then he brought me out of the way of the north gate, I mean of the gate northward, and led me about the way within the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. Can somebody understand? By this time, if you're going to need anything from God, you've got to get and go through the water. And the water were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through. And the waters were through the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand. It was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in a river that could not be passed over. If you're going to get what you need this morning or any morning of the week, it will only be through the water by allowing the river to flow in you and through you. Uh, but here's the catch, uh, is that the Bible says, uh, wherever the river, wherever the water touches, uh, that uh, shall it heal. Here's the thing, uh, Ezekiel had to wait. Uh, it, you don't take a step and fall into uh, 30 feet of water. The Bible says Ezekiel had to wade, and when he waded in, he got to ankle deep. And, and then when he got to ankle deep, listen, the water will only heal what it touches. If you're going to do an ankle worship and get out with shallow worship, then you only get a shadow healing. And then he walked into his knees, and knees got a little cold. And if you want to only God just to heal from your knee down, then that's then go ahead, tread that far in. And then those that he walked, he said the Bible, the Bible says he walked in, and the water was up to his loins and to his chest. You know who those people are? Those are the people that almost got the touch they needed. Then the Bible says that it got so deep. Ezekiel said, I can't walk in it anymore. I began to swim in it. And if you want something from God this morning, you've got to swim in this river. Shallow worship will produce shallow results. But deep worship, deep cries, deep seeking will develop deep relationships and permanent results. How much further are you going to allow the river to touch? Some of you need God this morning. And if you leave with a shallow healing, uh, it, it might, this might be it. I don't know who you are. God is here. I love our programs. I love the things we have. But understand that it is the river that gives us our life. Some of you are still standing on the bank. Some of you are still standing on the bank afraid to see what would happen if you wade in. But I wish you'd come. And I wish you'd swim in this thing. If you need something, come up to the front. We'll pray for you.
God will heal you. God will touch you. I can't do it. Nothing in me can. But it's by His Word and by His power and by His Spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, we're still ankle deep. Some are knee deep. Some have waters to the loins. But I want to hear somebody who is swimming in this thing because they can't go back the same way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. 